The relationship between the United States and China will shape the 21st century, which makes it as important as any bilateral relationship in the world. That really must underpin our partnership. That is the responsibility that together we bear. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. Today is Friday, September 18th, and you just heard President Barack Obama at the top. He was opening the first meeting of the U.S.-China Strategic and Economic Dialogue in July. Adam, Adam, can you just move over? Ow! Hannah, what the hell? Sorry, you're just, I, I need some space. You're like really close to me. Okay, on today's show, we are going to be talking about tariffs and, hey, come on, what is that about? You pushed me first. You. Oh, Adam. Today, listeners, we're going to be talking about this right here, the you pushed me first scenario. Yeah, except instead of me and Hannah pushing people around, it's actually world leaders pushing people around and instead of shoving their using international trade uh, to, to push each other around. <laughs> right. We're going to get to that in a minute. First, our indicator, Adam, I believe you have that handy. I do. It is 6401.99.30.00. Ah, I see. You are talking about the harmonized tariff schedule of the United States. I happen to have that handy right here. And that number is the line item referring to the U.S. import tax on waterproof footwear designed to be worn over or in lieu of other footwear as a protection against water, oil, grease, or chemicals, or cold or inclement weather. And the tax for that is 50%. So that, of course, means that if Target or Payless or Walmart or whatever wants to import a bunch of rubber boots from China or Germany or some other country, they have to pay 50% in tax to the U.S. government for the right to import it. And the reason the government puts taxes like that, of course, is to help out companies here in the U.S. that are making rubber boots so that they don't have to compete with low prices from overseas. Right. But you actually wonder if there are U.S. companies making rubber boots anymore. You know, I was doing a story a couple of years ago and I looked into this and there are I found like three in New Jersey. Oh, really? I don't know if they're still in business. They were all having trouble, as I remember. Well, the tariff might help them. I I really love this book, The Harmonized Tariff Schedule. I discovered it this year, and it is thousands of pages of just every kind of product that you can imagine. Like here, for instance, perhaps you'd like to buy some endless transmission belts of trapezoidal cross-section V-ribbed of an outside circumference exceeding 160 centimeters, but not exceeding 240 centimeters, Adam. Yeah, if I it was is a, looking into that. I know. You were talking about it the other day, so I looked it up for you. If it is combined with textile materials, that'll be a 30 percent tariff. What if it's not combined with textile materials? Then it is free. And that's, that is what I love about this book, because each one of these columns, you just, you like, you picture each line and you picture the fight. So the guy making the trapezoidal cross-section V-ribbed whatever, you know, that has the textile materials fighting with the guy who makes it, who doesn't have it. Or, you know, and by the way, if the rubber boots here, it says if they have a closure device, then that bumps up the tariff to 75%. So clearly they had a, a better lobbyist. Than the other guys who just are a regular rubber boot and it's a 50% tariff. Right. There's all these dramas, but but since the 1960s, there's been one main story to tell about tariffs, which is 
goodbye. They are going away. The tariffs are diminishing, and the U.S. has led the effort to lower tariffs around the world for 40 years, almost 50 years now, as the U.S. has promoted freer cross-border trade. Until now. Someone somewhere is writing a new line into this book, 35% for tires from China. Specifically, cheap tires from China. President Obama said he's using special powers under the World Trade Organization to raise the tariff on Chinese-made tires. Right, and countries almost never raise tariffs anymore. And when they do, you know, it's usually to punish some country for creating an unfair advantage for their own companies. Like maybe the the government is subsidizing factories or they're selling things to other countries for less than it costs to make those things in the first place. But this is not a retaliation for that kind of behavior, right? Uh, You had a talk with Arvind Subramanian. I really like that guy. He's an economist at the Peterson Institute for International Economics. There is, in this case, legislation uh, which says that... Uh, And this legislation was negotiated as part of the agreement between the United States and China when China joined the WTO. And basically what the legislation says is that we, the United States, reserve the right to impose these tariffs on China if China starts selling too much to the United States and if that uh, starts hurting the U.S. domestic producer. So so, uh, so it's actually provided in the law, so you don't have to do anything uh, untoward. Uh, well, so why, in this ca- why, would, why would China agree to that? Like, to me, that just sounds like we're saying, okay, you can be part of this, but if you become better at doing what we do, then, then we're going to put tariffs on you. We're going to put high taxes on you to make it really hard for you to do what we do better than us. Right. So, so that's part of, of, of the deal, right? Uh, the deal was that um, China, by jo- by virtue of joining the WTO, was able to get something in return from uh, in the United States. Essentially, China was able to uh, benefit from the low tariffs in the United States when it became part of the WTO. So, so what China got was the ability to sell more easily in the in the U.S. market, and the United States wanted this because it wanted China to become part of the international trading system and play by the rules of the WTO. But this was like a safety valve. It says the U.S. said, "Okay, we're happy to buy from you guys, but." Not too much, because if you if you sell too much to us, our producers uh, will be start becoming unprofitable. So this is a, a kind of safety valve, which uh, is seen as essential to promote, you know, uh, goods and services to fall to uh, to flow freely. Um, and it's like saying when there's too much pressure, you release the safety valve so that some of the water goes out and the amount of water in the system is kept reasonable. So you know, Hannah, the tariffs are for me kind of like climate change is for our science desk. Our science desk sent out this memo a while ago saying, hey, guys, we're not anymore going to find the one guy who says there is no climate change. We're just going to we're not going to make it a quid pro quo debate issue. And that's kind of what tariffs are like with economists. There's virtually no economists, only a small, small handful who actually support tariffs like this. And it seems, you know, silly to when I saw a poll, literally 97 percent of economists say tariffs are a bad idea. So to do a lot of work to find, you know, one of the three percent seems silly. And there's a reason economists hate them. They are so inefficient. So the the argument here, you know, the the unions representing tire workers were saying, hey, China has given us so many cheap tires 
plants have been closing in the U.S., and 5,000 U.S. tire workers lost their jobs. And that, of course, is lousy. It's lousy to be laid off. But now the solution to have everyone in the U.S. pay more for tires, 35% more or even more than that, for tires is really inefficient. It'll end up meaning U.S. consumers are spending far more in tariffs than the benefit to those 5,000 people. We could give them all a full salary for years and years and years for less than the tariffs we're paying. Um, so, so that's, I think, why economists say it's just a bad idea. It hurts us more than China. Right. But the point is, the way that this goes is that if you are one of those 5,000 workers, you care about this a lot and you will you'll vote on the issue. Your union will care about it a lot. And, you know, the rest of us, let's be honest, we are not going to call our congressmen and insist on lower tire tariffs. But what's weird is to hear you talk about unions, because my understanding is most of the 20th century uh, uh, tariffs came about because companies, manufacturers would call their congressmen and say, hey, we need a tariff on this item because I'm competing with cheap products coming in from Mexico or China or wherever. Put a tariff on it. They the But... But in this case, it was not the tire industry, at least most of the tire industry, as I understand it, was fighting this tariff. They hate this tariff. Right. And, and Arvind actually said that that is the big deal here. It's the workers asking for tariffs, not firms. Normally, when you know a, a lot of uh, imports come in, it's the producers who feel threatened because they lose their profits. You know, they sell less. Of course, workers also get hurt. But the first hit is to the company's bottom line, right? Uh, uh, but in this case, what's interesting is that because in this globalized world, firms are able to shift around to maximize profits, the brunt of competition is felt on those people who can't move around. And that's your you know, blue collar worker in the, in the tire plant in Ohio. So he's the one who's hurt the most, and that's why he's, uh, in this case, done the petitioning um, uh, to to slap on uh, tariffs on imports from China. Um, so, so and and uh, the, the reason yeah. the reason that Goodyear say might not be the one filing the petition is because Goodyear might have, and I'm just making this up, but but Goodyear might have operations in China and might have operations all over the world, and so they don't have as much of an interest anymore in in setting it up as saying we want tariffs against the competing companies abroad. Exactly. Uh, 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 th- that's one. And of course, uh, there, could, there could even be a, a, a paradoxical situation where if, for example, Goodyear is located, it, it isn't. I mean, it's the, uh, there's another company that's located in China. But w- if that company were to sell back to the United States, it might face a tariff too. So, so you, you, you could have this you know, slightly uh, absurd situation where an American company located in China selling back to the United States also faces restrictions. So, so, and that would be uh, uh, pretty, pretty amazing and pretty absurd as well. So I, I think the fact that companies can now move ship around means, as you quite rightly said, they, they have less uh, incentive to take action against, uh, um, against uh, uh, imports. And also don't forget, if, uh, for example, if a company is located in China and if the U.S. takes action against goods coming from China, uh, China can in turn take action against those countries that are located, those companies that are located uh, uh, in, in their territory. So it all becomes a very um, messy, uh, you know, web of 
entangled trade relationships. And, you know, there is no longer any clear, you know, my good versus your good. And that's why, you know, my tariff ends up hurting not just some American firm who is located here, but it could potentially affect uh, other American firms located outside the United States as well. Arvind said the irony here is that uh, putting this tariff will, will hurt U.S. firms, will hurt Chinese firms, but it probably most likely will not help those U.S. workers because most likely, he said, what's going to happen is we'll just start importing lots of cheap tires from countries other than China. And so the sum total of all this is we just piss China off. Hey, ow! Hey, I pushed you. What are you going to do about it? I would push you. Ow. My name is Eric Joyner. I'm the vice chairman and co-founder of AJC International. Uh, we've been in this business. We started the business in 1972, and uh, we have uh, three offices in China, and we export uh, poultry, and we export beef and pork. So China is a very important trading partner for our company. So this is Eric Joyner, and Eric Joyner, he is feeling very, very anxious this week and upset and pushed around because this whole tire thing is making China upset. And China, he's worried, may be taking it out on him, Eric Joyner. Well, not him personally, but the major product he sells in China, which will affect him. China made an announcement right after President Obama's announcement saying, fine, America, you're going to tariff us. We're going to look at tariffing you. And they named two things that they're going to explore the possibility of putting tariffs on. One is U.S.-made auto parts, and the other is Eric's thing. The biggest item that we handle is uh, chicken paws, which is essentially the chicken feet that is uh, kind of a delicacy in China and very much in demand. And and they're not bad. I understand. <laughs> I'm not going to go out to dinner and uh, get a meal of them, but I've had them, and they're, they're edible and don't taste too bad. <laughs> I love that he says that. Like, there is a salesman. Yeah, our product. I mean, I wouldn't want to eat it, but, you know, it's not that bad. So for the poultry industry, that is kind of the beauty of chicken feet because Americans, we don't really like them. But we do raise a lot of chickens and we have the feet. And the Chinese, they will pay for them. And actually, they don't just like chicken feet. They specifically like our chicken feet because we make them big. The United States is very much a breast meat market. And uh, so a lot of people debone the breast meat uh, for various products, uh, boneless breast sandwiches or chicken nuggets or whatever. So you tend to raise a larger bird. And obviously, the, a bigger bird has bigger feet. You raise a larger bird so that the breasts are larger. That's it. So because we have big breasts, we also provide big feet to China. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's a joke there somewhere, but I'm not going to make it. <laughs> All right, Hannah, I think I got the joke. So there's this guy. No, and no, Adam, do, do, I don't think we should go there. Let's just move on. So Eric Joyner is just feeling like, you know, this this is your thing. Why do I have to be drawn into it? Is it fair? No, it's not fair. Uh, it doesn't have the two don't have anything to do with each other, but it's a a it's a quid pro quo kind of situation that. Uh, you know, if you put pressure on me, how can I put pressure back on you? Essentially, this product, it's a very unique product. We call it a China-only product in the sense that it's that product is being produced and the only real consumers in the world are the Chinese. Uh, prior to starting to ship this product to Chinese China, it was rendered and literally went into pet food. 
So if the Chinese didn't buy this product, uh, it would be rendered into pet food or fertilizers or some other product for a value of about 10 cents a pound. Uh, today, China pays 80 or 90 cents a pound for these chicken paws. So uh, there's a lot of revenue that's being gained uh, by the U.S. poultry industry from the sale of these chicken paws. You're concerned about trade disruptions, uh, and, uh, and you, you just don't like it. Anytime one of your major customers in China will probably be the major customer of the U.S. this year in, uh, in poultry, and any time that you're doing that, you don't want to have your major customer upset or the government upset with you. Now, Hannah, this, it's been an interesting week in this whole trade war. Earlier in the week, there was a lot of panic. I was reading it in the blogs and the articles. You know, oh, my goodness, this is the big trade war everyone's been warning about, like the Great Depression, you know, the, uh, the after a financial crisis, all the world raised tariffs so high that global trade almost stopped and it made everyone poorer and worse off. Uh, and, and I heard a lot this week. Oh, my goodness, this it's happening. It's happening. Now, by the end of the week, it seems like everyone's more or less calmed down. As far as I can tell, the the bulk of the people I've talked to and read seem to feel like, like Obama, he, he, he is a committed free trader. Really, all of his economic advisors are really, or almost all of them, are strong tr- free traders. And this was something, this was, I guess, a, a gift to the unions. There might be other small gifts like this. But we are probably not going to enter some massive trade war. Right. And it also also seems like people are saying that Eric Joyner's paws, I love that he calls them paws, not feet, that his chicken paws are going to be okay, that it's China's making a a threat and, you know, the G20 might be a little bit uncomfortable, but that this probably won't actually happen. China needs us more than we need them, although we need them pretty badly. So, yeah. Right. Can I push you one more time? Um, I think it's best if we just move on. <laughs> okay. So I want to just say, lastly, we have one more indicator. Adam, for you, it's special. 5770-5770. Happy Jewish New Year today. Happy Jewish New Year. Shana Tova. And we are out of here. Please visit our blog at npr.org slash money. And send us emails, thoughts, any kind of stuff at planetmoney at npr.org. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm Adam Davidson. Thanks for listening. 